This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Rosa, and today's episode is with Marina Vile. She is a couples therapist specializing in helping trauma survivors have healthier relationships. In our conversation, we talk about how couples can navigate their trauma history and improve their communication so they are better able to voice their needs and trauma triggers to their partner. We talk about how couples can go deeper in their understanding of each other's traumas and be able to show up with more love and compassion for one another. If you find this episode helpful in healing on your journey, share with a friend, share it on social media. Remember to tag me so I can repost and reshare with my audience. And also don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you can be notified every time a new episode drops. And before we go into the actual episode, I need to give a brief disclaimer that this episode is not meant to treat or diagnose any physical or mental health condition. This episode does not substitute for healthcare or mental health services of any kind. Guests have a right to share their perspective and opinion, and this does not constitute an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. So without further ado, here's the interview with Marina Vile. Take a listen. Hi, Marina. Welcome to the Inner Healing Paths podcast. Hi. Thank you for having me here. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation to to come on and, and share your your wisdom, your knowledge with us. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity and the chance to talk with you. Of course. So to get started, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and the healing work that you do? Yeah, so um, I am a clinical mental health therapist, um, and I am just right outside of Portland in Vancouver, Washington, um, and my practice is completely based in Washington. Um, I work with trauma, um, especially relational trauma, um, so abuse, assault, um, uh, anything along those lines, narcissistic abuse, um, family trauma. Um, and I also work with that. I work with that at the individual level, but I also work with that within relationships. Um, and I really love the work that I get to do. Um, I feel like it's really beautiful work. Um, so that's a little bit about me and my practice. 
Yeah, thank you for that. And so to get started, you mentioned that you you focus on relational trauma, or that's a big part of what you do. For the folks that are listening that may not be familiar with that, how would you describe relational trauma? What does that what does that look like? What does that mean? Yeah, so relational trauma, um, you know, there's different types of trauma. So, uh, for example, there is trauma like military trauma um, and trauma um, like hurricanes and natural disasters um, and all of those kinds of things that really overwhelm our nervous system. Um, But there is also just trauma that we have from you know, being in relationship with unhealthy or unsafe people um, or people who aren't emotionally mature. Um, And so that's a lot of what I focus on is kind of healing the relationships that people have with themselves, that they have with other people um, and the way that, I'm so sorry about my dog. (laughs) Um, And the way that- Oh, that's okay. the way that the processing, how that what happened in those relationships. Okay. So relation, re, relational trauma is recovering from difficult, maybe even toxic relationships. Uh, yeah. Do most of the people that come to you f- to heal that, are they still in the relationship or have you found that most of the time they come to therapy to heal relational trauma after a breakup or a divorce or after the end of a relationship? Mm. It most of the people that I work with, it's usually after. Um, but I have worked with some folks over the years who acknowledge that they're in an unhealthy relationship, whether that person is a romantic partner or a parent um, or somebody else. Um, I've had folks come to me who are, have unhealthy friendships um, as well. <clears throat> so yeah, it can really be anybody, um, but most of the time it is after. Okay, got it. And when it comes to, you know, for folks that are, that have their own childhood trauma, their, their own things that they need to still process and work through from their childhood, how would you say that, that it comes into play when we're in in a romantic relationship with another person how how do you see that interplay of my own issues my own childhood trauma and then the relationship that may be toxic or may be difficult yeah there can be so many different things um that come up for people really depending on kind of somebody's experience um um yeah, so it can look like what often um, happens that I see is really two partners who've experienced trauma um, and they're trying to figure out how to have a relationship together, but they kind of keep triggering each other. That's really common. Um, and that can look a lot of different ways. Um, so, for example, um, one partner maybe might have grown up in a house where there was a lot of aggression. Um, and when they're talking with their partner, when they're having you know big feelings, they might feel like they need to look away um, because that helps them regulate or maybe that's what their 
parents taught them that they had to do as a point of respect. Um, whereas another person might come from a family where um, they were abandoned or they experienced emotional aban abandonment, um, physical abandonment. And so for them, when their partner looks away, um, they uh, feel like they're being abandoned again, either emotionally or physically or whatever that is. And so it's kind of like two people um, sort of triggering each other. Maybe the partner who, who feels abandoned will kind of criticize the other partner for looking away. And then the other partner continues down this path of, um, you know, feeling like there's aggression. Um, and that's where people come to me and kind of help them get out of this negative cycle of triggering each other when they really have the best intentions and really just want to connect with each other. Yeah, I feel that that is one of the hardest things for trauma survivors is navigating romantic relationships, you know, and especially because like you said, so much of what we recreate and reenact in our relationships comes from our past, specifically our wounds. And, and then the also the other element is a lot of times when we are not aware, when we haven't healed certain aspects of our childhood, especially in, in regards to our parents or the caregivers, we tend to gravitate towards people that feel very familiar, um, like our parents or caregivers did growing up. And, and, it, and I feel that especially for those that are starting that start relationships when, they, when they're very, very young, mm -hmm. um, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, you know, when you're still developing, essentially, you know, your brain's still growing and developing, yeah. and you and you have this, these, you know, difficulties from your past and you have these, these traumas and, and you start a relationship. And I, I see that a lot. I remember just in a lot of the younger clients that I would work with a few years back, they were just reenacting and recreating the same dynamics that they experienced growing up. And, and unfortunately, because they're so young, right? They're still, they're still navigating life. They're still learning about life in general, you know, at the age of 18, 19, but yet here they are in a, in a very adult relationship and feeling so triggered and overwhelmed. Yeah. And not having the tools to be able to get, get away from that. I mean, it seems like, I don't know about you, but when I think about being back at 17, 18, um, and trying to use I feel statements <laughs> that sounded, yeah, sounds so hard. Yeah. The world is different today, but, um, yeah, not having the tools to even be able right. to navigate those triggers with a partner. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, the, that I went through, uh, you know, I had a very, young relationship that was that got serious very early in my life when you know I should have been doing other things having fun with friends you know it was still technically a teenager 18 19 you know you're still a teenager mm -hmm. even though you're an adult but uh and you know so I, I think a lot of 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 these I, I sometimes I see this as, as opportunities to to heal right it's like life presents you an opportunity to and reflects back 
parts of, of your life or your past that you need to work through. However, um, I, I feel for a lot of the young folks that, that get stuck in these patterns of not just toxicity, but also violence, right. And in, in, in mm. very, at a very young age, get stuck in, in this, the cycle of, of violence. What are your thoughts about, you know, becoming um, first aware and then getting the tools and the strength to be able to recognize and leave those, these toxic or even violent relationships? Mm. I mean, in my mind, when I think about what keeps us in unhealthy relationships, one thing is really not having the awareness that they're unhealthy. Um, you know, if you grew up um, in a... Sorry about Papa. Oh, um, no, no worries. I have a couple of, of dogs too, and they're always barking. So I'm totally used to it. <laughs> okay. Um, but if you have, if you grew up in an unhealthy family and you don't have the felt experience of knowing what it feels like to be loved and seen and valued and heard um you know first of all it can feel really scary when somebody does that um and i think for people who didn't grow up in trauma that's really hard to understand um but for for those folks who are listening um just imagining you know the people that you're attached to most of the time they're unsafe but sometimes every once in a while they're safe and you feel like you can trust them a little bit and then immediately after that they pull the rug right out from underneath you and they're unsafe again and so that creates this feeling of when somebody is kind to me they're going to pull the rug out from underneath me that's when it feels really the most dangerous. Um, and so, you know, um, first of all, being able to recognize that it's safe to be in a healthy relationship, that there are people who will be kind to you and won't pull the rug out from underneath you, um, and recognizing even what it feels like to be heard and seen and understood. Um, I think that that's really tough. And then the second part is feeling like you not only can have that, but that you deserve that. Um, I think is really tricky for a lot of people. So uh, going back to kind of like even just looking somebody in the eye when they're talking or not looking at somebody when they're talking and navigating those kinds of conversations, conversations, being able to look at somebody and say, hey, when you don't look at me, I feel really alone and I feel really abandoned. And can we talk through that? Maybe, maybe you can't look at me in the eye, but can you hold my hand? Um, and being able to feel deeply like you can ask that of somebody and that you deserve to have those attachment needs, those needs for just connection um, met. It's really tricky. 
I have so much more I could say about. Uh, no, that that is so that I think that is so you said it so well. And when it comes to healing from our own childhood traumas in relationship, have what have you noticed with your clients and as they start repairing the relationship? Do you, how does their own trauma history how, how do you see that? that part of on an individual level, how do you see that shifting as well? That shifting. Um, let me think about that. For or healing. Second. Yeah. Mm. Or does it, or, you know, does that still require a separate, you know, a separate attention and tending? You know I have found that it heals in relationship with themselves and then it heals in relationship with me and then it heals in relationship to a partner. It almost feels like kind of a stair step. Mm, um, yeah. So working through those emotions of, oh, I know what it feels like now to be heard and I can feel that in my body. I can feel what it feels like to feel understood and to feel loved and to feel seen. And maybe that doesn't feel as rocky inside myself. And then um, in a therapeutic relationship, being able to kind of um, allow me to see them and hear them and understand them and um, really open up to me about what's, what's happening inside of them. Um, and then being able to take that outside of the therapeutic relationship and take that to the partner. Um, it seems like people, it, I mean, it seems very true to me. And also I think there's a lot of research tracking this, that people really need like something stable to stand on before they can jump off and take the next step um, in their lives. So if they don't know, you know, if I go do this scary thing with my partner, if I have this conversation with them about, mm, I've been faking an orgasm for the past nine months, um, then, and they're like not knowing how their partner would react to that. Are they going to be loving? Are they going to be or are they going to be angry? Um, it seems like they really need the safety of a relationship with somebody to know that they're seen and understood regardless of how that other person responds. Um, yeah. And so Marina, I, I want to go back a little bit to just uh, your your story and how you found this calling to to work with relational trauma and to work with couples um, can you share a little bit about I don't know if you would call it a calling or you know just the, the path that you that you that just called and <laughs> called you um, how did you get started on on this journey of becoming a couples therapist for trauma survivors um well, I mean, I would definitely say that it feels like a calling for me. Um, I, I, funny enough, I was actually in school for occupational therapy. Mm. 
And when I was doing that, I just felt like this really deep emptiness, not anything to say about occupational therapists. They do amazing work. Um, but for me, it felt like something was missing. And um, there, uh, there was this quote that I had heard at one point in my life that says, do the work that you can't not do. Um, and for me, it felt like what I needed to do with my life was work with trauma. Um, and I would say that that's for a lot of reasons. Um, I love seeing people heal. Like, I feel like there isn't anything more profound than seeing mm-hmm. people heal. Um, and I think that a part of that is because my own healing has been just something I've grappled with my entire life. Mm. Um, and my own just sense of myself um and all of the different things that come with trauma um so I mean my healing journey or becoming a healer um it started with my own healing um from my own family of origin that is not healthy um and a lot of things you know I came from a really neglectful family um, on top of other things and was often really unsafe um, because of that. So, you know, really in college, I was working through, I feel really unsafe in the world. I feel really unworthy. I'm trying to have relationships with people and I'm finding myself in relationships with people who are deeply unavailable (laughs) Um, and coming to a place where I realized that um, I was really putting myself in relationships with people who were unavailable because because I was scared of a rug getting pulled out from underneath me Um, and now to be able to have really hard conversations about you know, this is really tricky. This is this is a trigger. This is what I'm feeling. Um, I would say that that was a really big journey for me. And that was something that I felt like healing that really profoundly changed my life. And so um, I wanted to offer that healing to other people um, and to really see couples, everybody not be defined by the things that happened to them where they were treated like they weren't valuable or worthy or they weren't safe. Um, Whatever their experience was to see people heal from that, I think is just so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that your story and for sharing with us. You know, I, I was wondering for the folks listening that may be or maybe feeling stuck or in the pattern of a of toxicity with with a partner, what would you say or what are one or, or two recommendations uh, for those folks to to start healing and also to be able to to take that step to to change and start in repairing 
whether it's a relationship, if it, if it's if it's that, or repairing their or healing from their past, so they are able to to get out of these relationships. What would you say? Are a couple of strategies or suggestions that you have for folks that are just getting started on this. I mean, I wanted to start with that you deserve healing. Um, that is something that you don't have to earn. You deserve to take up space um, to see a therapist. Um, you know, sadly, I imagine that you can probably resonate with this. Sadly, I've had a lot of people come into my office and say that they don't feel like they even deserve to take up space in a therapist's office um, or that they're wasting my time when they have these extensive trauma histories. Um, so feeling like you deserve that because you do deserve that. Um, you know, I, I think that a big part of it is just getting in touch with yourself and maybe going all the way back to the version of yourself. You know, I think about the inner child or the little kid that feels like the truest version of who you really are. And just remembering that that part of you was, of course, lovable. But also, if they were, you know, struggling with their feelings, if they were feeling overwhelmed, if they were feeling unsafe, you would do whatever it took to make them feel differently um, and you would take care of them. Um, so really, you know, I think about acting as kind of like a caregiver to that part of yourself or a nurturer um, is huge. Um, and then I also feel like you know, I know this is hard for so many people, um, but I feel like embracing whatever brings you joy. Um, I think in the mental health world, maybe not as much in the mental health world, but on the outside, when people talk about mental health, it's all like dig into your shadows and like <laughs> get in the depths of your trauma and pull it all apart and do all these things. And that's wonderful. And there's a time for that. But there's also a time for singing and dancing and going outside and taking walks and enjoying the sunshine. And I think that a lot of healing can start with feeling joy in your body and feeling safety in your body. Um, and that sometimes we, especially um, like on social media kind of undervalue how much just being present in our joy can be healing. Yeah, abs absolutely. So for you, the, the key is to, to just return to that core part within you, that your inner child, yeah. that the essence, the, the truest essence of who you are, who you've been. Right. And you talk about connecting with joy and, and when I believe that when we are able to connect with what brings us joy and, and really 
experience and feel that we are connecting with that part within us where the, you know our inner child lives right the the home of creativity and and feeling at ease and feeling that sense of of joy and you know being able to to welcome that is 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 where is the home of our inner child so when we're able to connect with that we're really connecting with that essence of, of the the truest essence of who we are so thank you for for those for those reminders and do you i know i didn't ask you this ahead of time but i was wondering if, if there are any books that you recommend for folks that want to learn more about relational trauma or healing in relationship um do you have one or two books that come to mind on that what oh gosh that's such a hard question <laughs> i know because there's so many books right yeah well if you know you could yeah if you have if anything comes up later just send it to me and i can put in the show notes for folks when the episode uh, releases it could be in the show notes yeah i, I yeah i have so many um i just read um i kind of had put it off but I just finished reading adult children of emotionally immature parents and that book is amazing for just being able to like yeah see the types of emotional immaturity mm -hmm. there are and um really be validated in that um but I'm like probably every other therapist like currently reading 10 10 thought of that book because that's exactly what I was thinking about <laughs> when mm -hmm. I was when I asked you that question that book came to mind so so yeah that is an excellent book uh, to understand your upbringing and how it is impacting you now as an adult to understand your yeah. caregivers right your parents and and especially in, in so many of us right with that experience childhood wounding and trauma is as a result of our parents not having that capacity to truly be the a, even just a good enough parent right mm -hmm. so I yeah. think that um that is that that's an excellent resource so definitely for the folks listening check it out um, but if you have any other recommendations Marina let me know and I'll, I'll include it when the episode releases Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. Thank you for, for, for being willing to, to, to be interviewed by me and yeah. Do you have any final words or anything that you just, that you want to say before we, we end the, the podcast? Um, just that I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Oh, um, of course. Thank you. Yes. And, and how can like... people find you? Um, I am, I have my practice, um, it's called Hydrangea House Counseling, um, and my, they can go to my website at hydrangeahousecounseling.org, um, and then Instagram is my main social media, um, so I'm at the Relational Trauma Therapist, um, on there. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Marina. And I hope to have an opportunity to connect with you again and, and chat. Thank you. I hope so too. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. 
I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on. You can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast and you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website which is rosachettilcsw.com and I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.